Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the record of Luke. The Gospel record of Luke in chapter number 8. The Gospel record of Luke and chapter number 8. We're continuing to walk through the Gospel record of Luke, exploring the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we're walking through, we're starting to see Jesus in the midpoint of his ministry. That he's already called the twelve to himself. He's already been aggravating the, the Pharisees as they've been rejecting him. And we can see that as he's progressing, many people are listening, people are responding to him. And he's using this to teach others more about his goodness and his grace through the lives of individual people who are being touched. With this, we find another individual who's going to have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we find this historical account found in the gospel record of Luke in chapter number 8. The gospel record of Luke chapter number 8, notice with me if you don't mind in verse number 26. The gospel record of 8, chapter number, uh, chapter number 8 and verse number 26, the Bible says this. They, and they arrived at the country over at the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oft times it had caught him. And he was kept and bound in chains and in fetters, and he brake the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. And he went, then went the devils out of the man and they entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. And when they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid." And they also which saw it told them by which means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them. For they were taken with great fear. 
and he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, Return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. And it came to pass that when Jesus returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a description of the man that we find in this account in the gospel record of Luke chapter number 8? The gospel record of Luke chapter number 8. And I want you to know three conditions of this man after he met the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ in verse number 35. Luke chapter 8 and verse 35. Notice he was sitting, he was clothed, and he was in his right mind. Sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. And that's what happened when this man had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. That afterward he was sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. And if you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's talk to him. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you, we're just asking that you would just give us grace and that you would give us mercy. And as we come to you, I'm just asking that you would open up this passage in an amazing way. That you would help us to see the God that you are. that The God of great control. That the wind and waves obey you. That even the devils inside of a man can obey you. That you're the God of all and that we can trust you. I'm asking that you would just help draw us clear. And maybe there's someone in here that needs to have that encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just salvation, but beyond salvation to see what you can do to change someone's life from the inside out. I'm asking that you would do that and that you would do an amazing work that we could just look and say, wow, look at God. Look at what God does. Thank you, Lord. And again, I dare not trust my own. I know that this is a very familiar passage, especially to me. And it'd be easy to preach this in my own memory, my own flesh, my own intellect. But Lord, I would not have your power. So the best I know how, the I surrender myself to you, my thoughts, my ambitions, my goals, my desires, my lips, my words, my thinking, everything to you. That you would get your own work accomplished the way that you see fit and the way that you desire to be it accomplished. That I would just be your vessel and that you would do the work and you'd get the glory and honor for it. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in the gospel record of Luke, chapter number 8, we find several different instances where Jesus Christ proves that he has control. Remember the last time that Jesus Christ told his disciples that we're going to the other side. And when Jesus says we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. And that the disciples came with him. And remember that when they thought they were going to drown, when they thought they were in jeopardy, not just thinking they were in jeopardy, they were in jeopardy. That Jesus said, peace and be still. And instantly the, the storm stopped. Instantly the, the waves were calmed. And we could see not only here where Jesus Christ calmed the storm. We could see that Jesus Christ also has an ability to calm the inner nature of man. When it is raging and out of control. That God is the God who has that much control. And so if you don't mind, let's go and let's explore this encounter this man has with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first thing we want to present to you is the condition of the man. The condition 
of the man. Notice if you don't mind as we start in verse number 26. And they, disciples in Jesus, arrived at the country of the Gadadines. Now remember that this is the same trip where they just saw the storm ceased. This is the same trip where they just thought they were going to die. So let me tell you, in just a matter of hours after fearing for their life, a matter of hours after them just presuming they were going to die, and they go to Jesus said, Master, careth not that we perish, and was very much convinced this was it. Now as soon as they get off the boat, they don't have a respite. They don't have a vacation. They don't have the next day. It's they arrive on the shore and instantly they're encountered with another storm. This one's raging inside of a person, raging inside of a man. And they've already seen Jesus ha- and witnessed Jesus' great miracle power upon nature. And once again, the disciples are going to witness with their own eyes the power Jesus has to even change and calm a soul that's raging. Notice again in verse 27. And when he went forth to land, that's Jesus, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils a long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. Now the Bible's going to describe him a little bit more. Notice with me in verse number 29. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oft times it, the spirit, had caught him, the man, and he was kept bound in chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. Now, the Bible gives this description here. Other gospel records give us a little bit more. But basically, here was a man at one time who had a home. We know he had a home because Jesus told him to go home. Maybe he had a wife and maybe he had some kids. And as he was there, he, one day something changed in him. Something was dissettled in him. And he became uncontrollable. He became completely different. And could you imagine what a fear that would be to have the home witness someone in front of their eyes, have a dissettlement, have a storm raging, and this storm rages more and more, and nothing they can do has ever controlled them. The Bible talks about verse 29, the extremes they went to, but can we presume that before they got to the extremes, they were trying to do other things? Could you imagine in our society, well, take this pill, this will help you out, and it didn't help. Well, maybe you need to do this sleeping regimen, and it didn't help. Maybe you should do this exercise and do this pose. And it didn't help. That all the things that were told to him and all the things that were given to him, none of them had worked. And he got worse and worse. The raging inside was worse. The dissettlement was worse and worse. His attitude was worse and worse. His comprehension was worse and worse. His understanding of the world around him, his reaction to the world around him was worse and worse. Finally, he has to leave the home. Maybe there's a danger to his wife. Maybe there's a danger to his kids. We don't know. We do know that this was someone that was so much of a danger that the people took chains and tried to chain him. So again, we're presuming that there was a danger to others because of his actions, because of the storm that was raging within him. And like the pill... Like the pose, like the exercise, like the diet, like this and like that. The chains could not hold him down either. And those chains were broken. 
and they couldn't tie him and they tried to restrain him and nothing could settle his spirit. Nothing can settle him at all. There was nothing. No human idea, no human treatment, no human ideology could settle this man. So much so now that he is now living clothless. He's running around with no clothes on. People know exactly who he is. If you can imagine when he broke the chains, he probably didn't necessarily break those fetters. Even though it did say that he did break some of the fetters. But in my mind's eye, I could just imagine him as they was kept bound in chains and fetters and he break the bands. I could imagine that in my mind's eye, he still has a fetter with some chains hanging on and not, you know, in his right mind, he just lets it go around. That's the only thing he's wearing is that chain. He's running around and people are scared of him. I mean, how do you approach someone who's wild? How do you approach someone that's crazy? How do you approach someone who's so dissettled? How do you approach someone? And they probably had someone who tried and everyone who tried ended up regretting it. Not only because of their own personal harm, but maybe even their reputation. I can imagine all the know-it-alls saying, listen here, I know how to help them. And then when he comes back down to feed it, they're like, hey, I thought you were going to help them. Everything they did failed. Everything human-wise did not work. And they probably tried everything. Finally, they just said, we're just going to turn him loose. There's nothing we can do. And now he's just running around almost like a story mythology, like the haunted house, the old crazy guy who lives over there. Except he's real, but everyone's probably staying away. He's now made his home in the graveyard because no one else visits there willingly. Probably very quiet at night. He's living there at the tombs. Has his fetters breaking abound. Inside of his mind, he's probably lost all track of time. He probably doesn't know who he is anymore. That his cognitive thinking is completely gone. Time passes by. Maybe it seems long to him. Maybe it seems short. But we have a man here who is in deep trouble. And that no one can fix. And now Jesus arrives. Jesus shows up. Now the disciples have already had a harrowing thing. Their hearts still probably beating from the night before. They probably haven't calmed down. I just went through a medical course and they were saying that when someone goes through a harrowing event, you have cortisol that goes through your body. And it takes 72 hours for that cortisol to wash from your body. And that cortisol is a type of uh, biochemical that if you have enough of it for a long time, it actually starts to eat away at you. But there, there's a calming process that you have to have in order to clear it out. And so when I'm saying that the disciples, they just went through a life-changing event. Their biochemistry has responded. They haven't calmed down from it. Maybe they're still shaking a little bit. Maybe they're still in, well they're probably still in wonder and all. Probably no one has slept since that storm. And now they get off. They finally get to land and it's probably one of the few times that fishermen are glad to be on land. And as they step up, they put the boat in. This crazy guy with chains moaning comes up. Not a stitch of clothing comes in front of him and lands right in front of him lays down before Jesus. And they haven't had a break yet. What is going on? I mean, that's the entrance. You know, we're used to people showing up with, with a great multitude saying, we want to see Jesus. Instead, we get this crazy guy with no clothes who's laying down and moaning and we don't know what's wrong with him. 
fact, let's notice as this story picks up verse 28. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before them. And with a loud voice, what have I to do with thee, Jesus? Thou Son of God, most high, I beseech thee, torment me not. Now, of course, we understand that there's a devil inside of him, not just a devil, a legion of devils. But isn't it amazing? They know who he is. They know this is God. They know that they are subject to God. They are acknowledging who he is. That he's not just Jesus, but notice they give this phrase, most high. That's a phrase reserved for God Almighty in the Bible. That he is El Eglion, the God, the most high God. Which is something amazing. In fact, this was what, what Ab- uh, Melchizedek uh, had talked to Abraham. Oh, Abraham of the most high God. This is something that is very much reserved for God himself. And so when he's going before Jesus, he's acknowledging that he's standing before almighty God. And he's speaking, this is God that I'm put. And he's laying down before God and saying, I know that who you are. Now again, the disciples watching this and watching this crazy guy now admitting that they're with Jesus, that this is God himself. That's a lot to take in. Verse, if you don't mind, verse number 29 again. For he, Jesus, had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oft times it had caught him, and he was kept bound in chains and fetters, which he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him and said, What is thy name? And he said, legion, because many devils were inside of them. This idea of legion inside of the... Um, Greek world, whenever someone was in charge of a legion, a legion was 6,000 men. And so with this, he's saying not only there's one or two of us, he's full up. Could you imagine 6,000 devils living inside of one man? No matter, he, no wonder he was dissettled. No wonder no one controlled him. No wonder that little pill didn't work. No wonder that sleeping exercise didn't work. There was something going on more than a physical ailment. Something going on more than just a mental handicap. There was something spiritual wrong that needed to be taken care of. And something spiritual that was going to be required to fix them. Now the man met the master. And they recognized him. And by the way, notice that these devils recognized where they were going. Notice with me in verse 31. It says, And they, which is this legion, besought him, Jesus, that he would not command them to go into the deep. So this is this idea here. That they say, we know that we deserve to go to hell. This idea of the deep here is another term here. They know that they are destined to hell. Did you know that the devil and the demons are not in hell right now? That God, that the God of this world is Satan. He's in charge. That he's running free. That some people have the idea that hell is Satan in a pitchfork. Satan does not want to go to hell. That is not his kingdom. That is where he's going to be eternally punished. And here they're saying, please, we don't want to go there yet. It's not our time. We don't want to go there. Can, can you do something else with it? We know that you're going to pull us out. We know we have to obey you. Can, can we make a deal? Here, there's a swine over there. Can we go in there? Let's, let's go in there. We promise we won't bother anybody ever again. Okay, let's do that. Can you imagine they're negotiating. Now, 
if devils don't want to go to hell, how bad is hell? That's a different subject altogether. But let me tell you, they did not want to go there. So they said, can you please, can you suffer us into something else? Verse uh, number 32. And there were a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they, the devils, besought him, Jesus, that he would suffer. This carries the idea that they would allow, give permission. That they would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. He said, all right, fine. You go into there. Now, just to show the fun side of this, notice what happens. Verse 33. Then the devils went out of the man and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and they were choked. Now, the devils are like, please don't kill us. Please don't send us to hell. We don't want to go to hell. Can we go to those demons? Now, or to those swine. They had the idea that they would enter the swine and they could go somewhere else. No, they enter the swine and the swine are now driven to God down the mountain into the lake where they all drowned and died. And it's my personal opinion that the devils went to hell after that. So they got just a couple more moments, but that was about it. Interesting enough... Pigs were unclean animals and that the Jewish people weren't supposed to be messing with them anyways. Just a little side note. God was cleaning house in different ways as well. Well, those shepherds of those swine, they open their eyes and go, um, wow. First of 34. And when they that fed them saw what was done, they fled. They took off running and went and told it in the city into the country. They started to go out and said, let me tell you what happened. This is amazing. This is... And they went and told everyone that Jesus, in fact, some of them may not have heard the conversation. They're just taking care of these swine up in the mountain and said, all of a sudden these pigs started acting crazy and they all jumped off the cliff. And they went into the ocean and the pig bodies are floating all over the place. Just, some people may have heard the conversation with Jesus. Yeah, it was that man, Jesus. He cast those things in there and, just, and they're telling everyone about it. Now everyone in the town is curious and they want to come out. So we start off by the condition of the man. Now we come to the second thing. The change in the man. The change in the man. When someone has an honest encounter with Jesus Christ, it will change them. You know, so many people think that in order to live the Christian life, that I have to do things on the outside. That I have to fix the outside. And that if I have to do this and wear this and look at this. But I tell you the truth, that God wants to change you from the inside out. He wants to take care of the inside. And your inside will naturally be reflected on the outside. And so when they come and see this man and see the outside, we have an evidence that there is a change on the inside that's allowing the outside change to respond. Notice if you don't mind. So the men go and they tell everyone. Then the people went out, verse 35, and they, the people that they told, went out to see what was done. Something always curious onlurkers. Whether it's an accident or something changed, people want to see what happened. They, they're curious and they come out from everywhere. And they came out to see what was done and came to see Jesus. 
and found the man. Now this is a man who they've built legends over. This is a man who they've tried everything. This is a man that they put fetters on. This is the man that they now tell local stories about. About the crazy man who's living in the, in the tombs. And another part, gospel record of Mark says that he's always cutting himself. So he's full of cuts. He's full of marks. In the Bible here in gospel record of Luke. It says that he drove into the wilderness. So if you can imagine that he's dirty and filthy. Hasn't had a bath in a while. That's what people are used to seeing him like. They're used to him speaking babbles and incomprehensible. They're used to him not making sense. They're used to his violent rages. And they're coming out with every expectation that's what they're going to find. But they are all shocked that there is a change in this man. How did they find this man? What was he doing as these devils left him? What was he? He was sitting. He was clothed. And he was in his right mind. What's going on? Well, first of all, he became calm. He became calm. How do we know that? He's now sitting quietly. When someone has an uncalmness, an unsettledness, they have a hard time sitting down. There's a storm raging inside of a person. They can't sit. At the very least, they've got to fidget. They've got to move. They've got to pace. They've got to do something. They've never seen this man sit down since he's severed this infliction. And he's sitting. And when he's sitting, he's calm. There's a calmness there. They could tell that there's a difference in his spirit. The way that he's sitting there. That's amazing. If you know someone that's ever struggled internally and to see them sitting down, you know that's a pretty amazing thing. Maybe you at one time or another that there was such a dissettlement inside of you. There was something always storm raging and you couldn't find yourself sitting down. That inside of your mind that storm is raging and you just can't sit. But he's sitting. He is calm. There's a change inside of him from the inside that is now showing on the outside. What else? He became clothed. Not only was he calm, he became clothed. He's now modest in apparel. Before he's naked, he's running around nothing. And now he's clothed. There was a difference in his clothing because he changed from the inside out. It's amazing what God can do. You know, some people worry about dress and appearance. I tell them that you follow after the Lord. And the Lord will change you from the inside out. Some people will try to major on the outside first. Let God take you from the inside out. It's a much better fix. God changes us. He changes the way that we clothe, the way that we dress, the way that we carry ourselves, the way we deal with people. He changes us and it will be shown on the outside, the inside change. He's now changed. He's now clothed. And the people know this is different. This is not how he was before. He is different. He's calm. He's clothed and he was in his right mind. There's something about having a right mind that it's now settled. He could think clearly. The fog is gone. He could process information. The passage of time is now normal. You imagine how much time he has lost from his last cognitive memory? It could have been years. It could have been that at one moment he was sort of fuzzy and then the next moment he's clear and he's looking at Jesus and when he meets his kids, maybe they've grown up five years. You imagine what a heartbreak that would be. 
but there's something different. Imagine the family being able to process. There's something different about him. He is now in his right mind. Again, this was a true encounter with Jesus. There's some people who try to say, yeah, I met religion. I met Jesus and I got religion. And I'm just going to turn over a new leaf. No, this wasn't a turning over a new leaf. This wasn't trying to develop a good habit. This wasn't breaking a bad habit. This was a change because, from the inside out because he met with Jesus. And it changed him. Let me tell you, there's some people that could use that encounter with Jesus. In fact, the more time that you spend with Jesus, the more time he's going to change you. The more that he's going to change on you. It's spending time with Jesus is the whole secret of it. To spend much time with him. That instead of trying to take care of the outside, you take care of the inside. You work on your relationship with the Lord and he will change you bit by bit. It's amazing over the years to watch people who have different values, different thought processes. You know, and we understand that the, the world thinks completely different than Christians nowadays. I mean, there's no even, no, no way of bringing them together. But watch someone who thinks differently and processes information differently and let them start following the Lord and watch over the years they go back. I can't even, I can't even tell you why I thought that away. My thinking is so different. I'm like a whole different person now. That's what following after Christ will do. Is that he will change you from the inside out. Until the next thing you know, you're sitting, clothed, and in your right mind. And people say, you are a lot different than the last time I saw you. What was the change? I had an encounter with Jesus. And he changed me from the inside out out. That's what God can do. Now we start here and we talk about this change. <clears throat> we talked about that the condition of this man. Then we talked about the change of this man. One more thing I want to show you here is the charge of this man. The charge of this man. Now <clears throat> the people didn't know what to do with this. Normally you would think in your right mind that if you saw someone helped by Jesus that you would cheer for them. But instead, this changes too much for them. They want Jesus out of here. They're scared. We don't know what's going on. Isn't that like human nature? If we don't understand it, we've got to kill it. Yep. <laughs> Get out of here. They chase Jesus off. We don't want you here. And so as he's getting ready to leave, Jesus, all right, if you don't me, I'll go somewhere else. Notice this man grabs a hold of him, verse 38. Now, the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him. He begged him. That he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away. Now pause. Somebody said, well Jesus being harsh? Isn't he looking for disciples? Here's a guy who's begging to go with Jesus. Why is Jesus turning him away? Because he's given him a charge. Notice this. Verse 39. Return to thine own home. Go home. Go home. Return to thine own home and show how great things God hath done unto thee. The man who was healed wanted to go with Jesus. But instead, Jesus sent him to go back to his people and to his family. Why? Because the greatest work we can do is at home. And by the way, the greatest evidence that Meeting with Jesus is true. The greatest evidence that what we say about biblical Christianity is true is the evidence of a changed life. 
And when our family starts noticing the changes, they'll notice Jesus too. They'll notice there's something to it. In fact, this is what God has charged us to do in our own lives is that we don't need a cheap imitation of the world and we're not just turning over a new leaf and not trying to try harder. But when we meet with Jesus, there's a true change. Our families will notice it. And by the way, it is one of the most powerful tools that God has given to us is this evidence of a changed life. May I prove this to you? Turn with me if you don't mind to the book of 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3. All right, we're taking the story and we're taking it practical as the Bible has given it to us. Notice with me 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3. Jesus told him to go home. To go home. 1 Peter chapter 3 and notice with me in verse 1. It starts off with the word likewise. Now the reason why it's saying likewise, whenever you see likewise or therefore, you've got to see what it's comparing it to. In the end of chapter 2, it's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and how the Jesus Christ responded to uh, outside stimuli. That he didn't rail but not. He didn't have any guile in his mouth. He didn't sin. That when people made fun of him, he didn't make fun, fun of them back. He didn't try to threaten them. He didn't, when he was on the cross, he didn't say, I'll show you guys. But he committed unto God that God would judge righteously. He could trust God. And he didn't have to threaten. He didn't have to reveal. Then it says in chapter 3 verse 1, likewise. Just like Christ. Just like him. It gives a scenario here. Likewise ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. That if any, speaking of the husband. If you have a husband that obeys not the word. They, the husbands, may be without the word. Be won by the conversation of the wives. So here's a scenario. Here's a wife who has a husband who does not follow after Christ. The Bible says the answer is not to take the Bible and beat him over the head. Let me give you a heads up. It does not work. That's not how guys are programmed. So, the Bible says, but you could win them without taking the Bible and beating them over the head. There's another way you could win them. How? By your conversation. Remember the word conversation is an old English word that carries the idea of behavior. So it's not just what you say, it's who you are. And remember, when God changes us from the inside out, we change who we are. We're sitting, clothed, in our right mind. So here's a lady that has a husband that doesn't want anything to do with the Lord. And she's tried to beat him over the Bible. She's tried to convince him to go to church. She's tried, and he's not responding. God says it's in not the end of hope. Here's another way. How do I want you to do it? By the conversation. Verse number two. While they, the husbands, behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. By the way, that's the fear of the Lord. Whose let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of the hair or the wearing of gold or putting of apparel. Now, it's not condemning wearing makeup or any of that. Every old bar needs a new coat of paint every now and again. But what it's putting the emphasis on in verse number four is, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. And that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. So God says here, this is what you do. Is that instead of worrying about your husband, you take care of you. And you become the best follower of the Lord Jesus Christ you possibly can. And God will change you from the inside out. And they're going to be watching you. 
By the way, <laughs> this goes in several stages. First of all, the husband will look and say, ah, she got religion. It won't last long. And he'll be watching her to see if it's going to stick. Now, I know there may be some starts and stalls as she starts trying to be the best Christian she can be following after Christ. But he's going to watch the changes and he's going to be curious. He's going to be confused. He, ah, well, it's starting to stick a little bit longer than what I expected. I know I'm going to test it to see if it's real. Now, this is the hard phase. He's going to provoke her to see if she's going to be consistent. He's purposely going to antagonize her. This is where a lot of them quit. Well, now he's worse off than ever before. It's to be expected. Then he's going to get curious. This is something to this. This is real. She's consistent. What's wrong with her? Finally, he'll go, there's something that changed in you. Whatever is happening in you, I want that too. And now he's been won by her behavior, not because she's trying, but because she's purposely following after Christ. And Christ is changing her from the inside out. Take the maniac of Gadara. Imagine his home life when he's starting to lose it, when he's going crazy. And they reluctantly have to let him go. And they hear stories. Maybe they hear about that. Maybe they even leave a plate of food up in the tombs every now and again. Just to make sure he has something. You'd imagine what a home life that would have been. And then he comes home. And when he comes home, there's no chains dragging. He's cleaned up. He's wearing clothes. He's speaking clearly. And their first response would probably, what happen to you. I met with Jesus and he changed me. Do you think they would be a little bit more interested to hear about this Jesus after that? Yes. Why? Not just because he told them, but because they saw the evidence of a changed life. This is why he said, go home. The greatest work we can do is at home. Because we have loved ones who are not going to heaven. We have loved ones who are not following the Lord. How are they going to learn any different? You may have tried to preach to them all until you're blue in the face. You may have sent them letters. You may have just put, uh, made lunches for them and put Bible verses into them. Now, you've tried all that. You've maybe even taken the Bible and attempted to beat them up and assaulted them with the Bible. It didn't work either. What will make the change? When they see God changing you, they know who you are. The thing about home is they know all your flaws. They know where you messed up. They know all the things you used to do. They know your bad habits. They know your idiosyncrasies. And when those things change and it's not acting and it's not pretend, but they see them honestly change, they want to know more. What happened to you? I want to encourage you for those of you who did not come from a Christian home. Maybe you have parents that are lost or siblings that don't know the Lord. The greatest thing you could do is your homework. You let God change you from the inside out. You work on being the best follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let God naturally change you. And the people will take notice. Your loved ones will look at you and say, what happened to you? If you could forgive me, I'll use this story again. I had a young man that we had led to the Lord at a, at a missions banquet at a church. Had the privilege of taking him into a back room and he came to know Jesus Christ as his personal savior and he was so thankful for it. 
And we started to get him involved in personal one-on-one discipleship. And we define discipleship as developing the habit of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. That you get in the habit of reading your Bible. You get in the habit of praying. You get in the habit of going to church. And as he was beginning to develop these habits, God was changing him from the inside out. And he was starting to have some changes. Well, he had a twin brother who made a profession of faith years ago. And he was in a church that was more of an entertainment church. And, but, you know, he'd been saved, but, you know, just really hadn't grown. And he's watching his twin brother grow rapidly. And watching the changes legitimate. And he's curious and wonders what's going on. And I remember I was walking with my family outside of a retirement home meeting. It wasn't a church. It was a retirement home. I was at a retirement home walking out. And this guy comes up. You! You! Okay? You never know when you get that thing. What's going to happen? Are they going to deck me? What did I do this time? You! Whatever you're doing to my brother, do that to me. And he started getting into discipleship. Both of them are missionaries now. What happened? He had an evidence of a changed life. He went home. And as God changed him from the inside out, his twin brother watched him. What you have is real. In fact, he said to me, he said, my brother was growing so fast, I thought I was lost. Because I didn't grow like that. Something happened to him that was real. And I want that too. Go home. The people who need it the most, the people we care for, are the people that need to see the changes. Now, by the way, let me tell you, these changes aren't just outside changes. They're not putting on a new coat of paint. It's letting God change you from the inside out as you're following after Christ. And He will change you. And the next thing you know, that you are sitting, clothed, and in your right mind. And the people who knew you best say, that's not how they used to be. That's not what they were like when I knew them. That's not how they were. There's something to this. That's what I want from me. So as we wrap this up, I understand that many of you have loved ones. I know that you well enough. I could tell you which people you've been praying for in your life and your family. What's the solution? Not to take the Bible and beat them over the head. The solution is for you to follow after Christ. So that way when you tell them about your encounter with Jesus Christ, they could say, I knew there was something different. And that was real. And I want to know that Jesus too. So let me ask you, what is your walk with God like? Is it superficial? Is it just kind of there? Is it just something you hear about? Or are you seeing changes in your life as you're purposely walking after the Lord? The greatest evidence that biblical Christianity is true, the greatest evidence that what we say is in fact true, is the evidence of a changed life. Is that the type of life that you have? Is that the type of life that comes because you made the choice to follow after him? Sitting, clothed, and in your right mind. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time 
to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920-530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.